Welcome to Beyond Bitcoin, a podcast about all things digital assets, the global communities they are creating, the generations that are using and investing in them, and the challenges faced by the nations that are seeking to regulate them. The content of this program is not to be taken as investment advice. The opinions expressed in the program by the host and the guests are their personal opinions only. Remember, feel free to subscribe and share with like-minded friends. My name is Derek Graham. I'm the CEO of Portal Asset Management, and my co-host is Nitin Gower, Managing Director of State Street Digital Assets. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome along to another episode of Beyond Bitcoin. My name is Derek Graham, and I'm here with my friend and colleague today, Nitin Gower. I've got some juicy topics today, Nitin. Hello. <laughs> hey, Derek. Glad to be here. Good morning to you. How are you? Excellent indeed. Hey, what an exciting last week. I know I tend to start with that each time, but the fact of the matter is that it's been an extraordinary week in the last week because we've seen what's happening with the Gary Gensler, you know, interviews with Congress and at the same time, this fantastic juxtaposition that's occurred with the EU Parliament approving micro-regulations, voting around AML and crypto transfers, covering transparency, disclosure, authorization you know, supervision of transactions. This is, this is really bringing crypto into the fold of mainstream finance. And it seems yeah. to be creating this two-speed world of crypto. You know, as, as, as Europe moves ahead and the USA is sort of setting the scene to be left behind. So, so let's, let's have a bit of a chat about that first time, but yeah. then I've sure. got conference envy because tomorrow consensus <laughs> starts and Nitin, yeah. it starts in your backyard. So let's it's, talk about that too. Let's do that. <laughs> so first of all, Derek, I think, I think it was exciting for some, but we were looking down upon our entire crumbling infrastructure and the thinking behind this, right? So let's, let's, let's divvy, dive down a little yeah. bit deeper into this. So yeah. one thing was interesting, which I think was a banter between, you know, the chair of Financial Services Committee, you know, McHenry, and he actually posed a question and directly asking Gary Gensler a few things. And Gary Gensler said, hey, I, I do deal with digital assets. My yes. banking is digital and I'm dealing with, you know, and we begin to look into that. And I'm going to speak about that in some of the events that I'm speaking here is the fact that, yes, you did refer to the fact that our financial markets are digitized. But just because you're converting a paper-based entry into an Excel spreadsheet or into a PDF yes. file doesn't necessarily make digital. So as you know, as we discussed on this podcast, Derek, that the modern, modern financial market infrastructure essentially is a chain of interconnected market participants. And they aid in accumulating capital and forming investment resources. And there are various market participants that have this specific function like asset custody, central bookkeeping, liquidity provisioning. So there's a complex set of things. So when we say things are digital, it is not just your ability to view your account on your mobile devices or look into a website and call yourself digital because there are complexities in how the asset moves, which we have discussed. There are seven to 13 parties involved. There are clearing, the centralized sort of clearing parties. There are you know entities like DTCCs, CCPs, Central security, you know, central security sort of and everything else who are involved in safeguarding of our asset, moving our assets. So it's not exactly digital. And I like to actually, in my conversations, has been focused on that until now, not just financial services, but media entertainment, all industry groups have been focusing on the digital transformation, which is focusing on paper-based processes and converting them into digital form factor. So all you've done is 
taken what used to be a book entry, moved them into a spreadsheet. Nothing fundamentally has shifted and changed from disruptive mm. elements. But in the entire conversation, I don't think the notion of collapsing the business process or focusing on transforming digital, which is what me and you expect from the next phase of digital, of digital handshakes, was discussed. So, you know, whenever someone says we already are digital, I'd like to point out, not exactly because there are still enough rent, there are enough friction, there's enough challenges, there's enough opacity, not to mention the fraud and not to mention the challenges we've seen a few weeks, a few months back with Silicon Valley yes. Bank and Signature Bank. These are still challenges that we need to address as, as, you know, as an industry. So I'd like to point that out, and I'm going to actually make this point several times during my engagement in the conference to say, you know, when we say that we are digital, we're not exactly digital yet. We have done digital transformation. It's time to transform digital. So our expectation of going digital in truly engaging in, in elements of automation, elements of autonomics, elements of digital handshakes is truly preserved. Yes. So that is one thing. And yeah, go ahead. Sorry. A, a long time ago, when I was flying airplanes, I remember getting into a Cessna 172 and it had a set of glass instrumentation. It's what's called glass panel instrumentation, standard these days. So no yeah. longer just analog gauge. And this glass instrumentation was in this 1958 aeroplane. And I quietly smiled and I said, it's got bionic eyes in a dinosaur. And the fact of the matter is, that's what this is. When you turn around and you just put this superficial glaze of saying, oh, you can swap this on your wallet and it's a digital asset. It is simply covering the infrastructure, the systems, the processes that have been in place forever. I felt that statement for Gary Gensler was both in telling of his intent, which is terribly important to understand intent in people, and also yeah. very disingenuous because he knows that all that is, is electronic way of transferring an infrastructure and system, which is the same as it's been for a very, very long time. This sign of how entrenched he is in making sure that this changes versus what's happening in MICA, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, and I was also shocked to, you know, we all, he's a regulator, he was a educator. And I would imagine just for experimenting and understanding, you would yes. hold some assets just to understand yes. what it is. You don't have to make a fortune out of it. And even that was missing. And to me is like, you know, that to me has, you know, I've lost a lot of respect in, the, in just that context that you haven't even taken time to experiment and understand mm. the space. You simply want to regulate it. And, mm. you know, while all this is happening in the US and there's, again, you know, my sentiments around Congress asking really very basic question in TikTok testimony, not understanding technology. And this was a little bit more elevated levels that the question that you got from some of the, it was very political, it's politicized, but at the same time, mm -hmm. they weren't really, with exception of a few sort of congressmen, which is the house of people, uh, essentially never was, there was never, a, you know, I didn't feel that there was a sound understanding and the need and necessity for the, the US sort of, you know, just to fully address this. And only Congress can do this. You cannot you cannot legislate by by regulation. You have to make the changes to the existing legal system, as you mentioned, the 90 plus year old systems. While all this is happening in the US, we're still debating the merits of this. You had MICA, yeah. right? Market infrastructure, <laughs> for, market infrastructure for crypto assets. And it's not just something that popped up and it just happened to be coincidental yeah. during the same week. But MICA has been evolving. We've discussed this here. It's been evolving for over two years. They've been debating this internally. They've been looking at both in terms of jobs, in terms of capital formation, attracting talent. And, and it's probably, 
I wouldn't call it comprehensive, even though the industry is labeling as comprehensive, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But they released, after almost two or three years worth of deliberation on the, the text, released MICA, which will eventually be you know, rubber-stamped by European Commission, which is the last sort of step to make this into law, and companies will have two years. There's a few things. There are four fundamental things that I think MICA solves for. One is ensuring legal certainty for crypto assets in scope. So they have, they have regulatory clarity. You have a process to register, not doing anything illegal. You have some classification of assets and you have some framework around that, which means you're no longer in the dark. Second thing is supporting innovation and fair competition. They want everybody to have the same rules of engagement as opposed to going after some and missing some because it's practically impossible to go after every single crypto company, so many of them. Yes, the yes. third thing Micah does is protecting consumers, investors, and market integrity. Now that you have rules of engagement, it goes after providing you know, the element of investors and consumers that you have to have reporting structures and you have to have some disclosures and you need to ensure that the risks are covered. Mm -hmm. And the last thing it covers is ensuring financial stability with inclusion of safeguards. So they have guardrails, you know, and, and that four sort of pillars to me provides something that's completely missing in the largest capital markets in the world, which is the United States, and completely missing one of the core objectives of SEC, which is jobs. Capital formation is one of the mandate of the industry. So industry has really, the SEC really has two mandates to, to, to control inflation and to create jobs. And ironically, also rather central banks in general, uh, have that have the mandate. And one of the mandate of SEC itself is to be able to ensure that you have enough regulation for them to be able to make it easy for companies to do business in the country, mm -hmm. which is the lifeline of, of jobs. Completely missing. Mm. I'll take a pause, get your thoughts. And to me, there's contrast between two mindsets of progressive regulation versus we're still in stone ages of figuring this out while all the innovation actually stems from United States and there are enough talented technical people in the, in the country and we're still stuck in the, in, in the 1939 era, for instance. Nitin, this is with intent. I don't think this is by accident at all. If you looked and you did, you watched, so many of us did, Gary Gensler's interview from Congress and what we saw there is a man that was snardly arguing that we're already using digital assets, a man that had never traded in digital assets, and a man that had talked about and lectured in blockchain, which is fine, it's the base accounting system for this sector, but really it's a long way back in a slipstream if he's been talking about blockchain as a lecturer. And so this is a man that is not looking forward, this is a man that clearly has intent to stop and, you know, crypto within the US is my view, and I think his intention is, is the most important part. You look at the intent and you get intention. While he's saying, while he's creating essentially a large section of ambiguity for companies to try and seek regulation and guidance, that famous statement, come in and talk to us, we'll help you. And we've seen them come in and talk to him and he's sued them. So, so yeah. he's creating an, an area which is the antithesis of what regulations are trying to achieve. Meanwhile, across the pond, in Europe, they're laying out sections of regulation to set guidelines. Whether we like the guidelines or not, and I'm not putting any subjective position on that, but they are guidelines. You yeah. can actually see what they are. Sure. They're relevant, they're up to date, and they've given some thought, and no doubt they'll be built upon. So the position here is beyond a couple of statements in regards to the status of regulation. It's about the status of intent. 
and Europe is intending to move forward. And the US regulators are intending to muddy the water and slow things down. So whether we actually see that then becoming, dis whether that, that actually ends up getting to a point where that disrupts things and the SEC is put on trial, so to speak, and they are forced to start bringing regulations down, that might be interesting to see. But for now, we're definitely seeing a two-speed economy occur. Yeah. Well, I have a theory, though. It's, it's on, a, on a funny note. History will tell us, Derek, that what Gary Gensler has done for decentralization is simply unique, that no single human being has done so much for decentralization that Gary Gensler has. In fact, <laughs> protocols are now forced to think about decentralization. And folks moved away from the centralized issues. So may, maybe that's his ulterior motive to really force decentralization, which is the objective of the industry anyway. So I think that peer-to-peer -peer networks is very hard to control and very hard to manage and govern and, and, and regulate. And maybe that's where he wants us to go. And maybe that's his motive. And we never know. We never know. Yeah. So it'll be intriguing to see whether politics in the US plays a role, it will, in in letting that you know letting the decentralization occur and many com companies moving i mean coindesk is already talking about establishing overseas offices and potentially moving out of the us which is extraordinary and other country companies are already doing it but then politics will occur regulations will start changing and they'll all be trying to bring them back in so i'm sure that's still to come <laughs> that is true though i i have a theory that gemini and and many of the centralized entities and crypto markets have talked about moving out and not only as a, as a threat, but I think it's more of an expansion plan for Coinbase. They're truly global. They want to be able to mm -hmm. capture the market share. Mm -hmm. And this gives them an impetus to say, hey, we can now look into London. We can look into, and what's interesting is MICA is a European thing. And post-Brexit, of course, London now has kicked off and they have guaranteed some level of regulatory clarity by the end of the year. So at least UK has that roadmap. Europe has a rubber stamped sort of, at least the foundational framework. MAS has some clarity. I think we are the laggards in this space from US perspectives, but I'm hoping that we're able to change minds and let's see, let's see where this goes. Excellent. Now, consensus is on the way. Consensus, yes. You are so it's fortunate in my backyard. in the epicenter of it. <laughs> Good and bad, Derek, because what happens, I live in Austin, as, as you know, and when you have conference as big and as popular event as consensus in Austin, my telegram my emails are completely filled up looking for a coffee or a beer or meeting. Yeah. And it's not humanly possible for me to meet all of them. One, because I live here, which means after the event, while people are partying and need to come back home, you know, I have a life in, in Austin yeah. and uh, which I can't hang out and party late. Not that I'm interested anymore. I've had my share of, of partying late. So it's a challenge to keep all the commitments to meet everybody else. But exciting part is it's in my town. So for the next five days, it's going to be, a crazy five days, which my emails have piled up. I'm not able to communicate. And I'm glad to be having this today, but a, a lot to look forward to. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a few sessions. And so I wish you could be here, Derek, but I think we have to make it a point at some point to bring you here. But it's barbecue, it's microbreweries, it's crypto. What is not to like about that? Oh, exactly. It's fantastic. <laughs> and the whole concept of consensus is just extraordinary. The concept of being able to bring people together to consider what's happened over the previous year, reflect, rebuild, you know, and, and, and remember, I think the basis of what consensus is all about, which is to bring together and agree and, and sure. work as, and work as a group. So, so, you know, meanwhile, 
I think Austin's going to, what, what a great spot to be able to do it in Austin, Texas. It's interesting. It's moved out of New York City, which is challenging to get into, get accommodation, et cetera, et cetera. And it's but moved you know why they were out of New York, Austin. right? No, why do you know why they were out? So that's the story behind, which I think people should understand. So New York, mm. if you remember, have had passed a moratorium on mining back in the day, like two or two years back, because, yes. you know, just the city and the management just said that, hey, any new company would have to have restrictions and they were they were they didn't have a crypto friendly stance per se right and maybe it's political it's a democratic city it's democratic administration they had mm. a bit of that mm. and consensus i've been to every single consensus since inception was always a new york thing and the good thing about new york yes it's expensive it's it's cheaper to fly into and everything's close by you can walk by a small city and texas is generally very big the main thing was they moved out because Texas became pro-mining, as you know, with energy situation yes. in Texas, and there's a lot of mining, and there's a lot of lot of positive regulation around crypto. It's also a Republican state. Yeah. Again, we're not discussing politics here, but they said, hey, when you have a conference, you bring 20,000 people in, and the 20,000 people in brings in economy. It's a massive economic mm. injection into the city, and why would we want to support a city that is not very pro of yeah, city and absolutely. state, which is not pro crypto. So we'll move it to Austin. And they did that. Uh, and now Austin is the hotspot for consensus. That's the story behind the whole thing, Superb. which is, I think, super interesting. You're going to be on some panels and doing some talks. What are, what are the, the areas you're covering? Yeah, no, I think I'm looking for a few things. One is I have tomorrow, I have a EDAS event, which is, you know, Enterprise Digital Asset Summit, which is about basically institutional adoption of crypto in general, which I think is going to be super interesting. It's, it's hosted by tax bitwise and, and it's basically an entity that does with taxation of crypto and everything else. Purely and we're going to just talk about what is the adoption. I do work for large financial institutions. So what is our stance on this? How are we viewing crypto? What are the industry is heading? That's tomorrow a panel. And then I have some meetings. And then on 26th, which is the busiest day, gosh, I have 17 sort of invitations to to some dinners and which I, I can't possibly do wow. and cocktail yeah. hours and everything else. But but the interesting thing was I have all day invite only investors event where you have institutional investors, you have VC funds, and the discussion is going to be about what are we thinking about making the investment for the next phase of the growth. So it's a positive discussion. It's a sentiment from the Brevin Howards and you know, Julius Bears of the world, but you also have A16Z in that conversation where in looking into what is the thesis, where is not just private markets, private equity going, but also the fundraise that's going into exactly what Portal does in terms of, you know, investment into hedge funds and so on and so forth. That'll be interesting because we'll get to learn, but we also get to share perspective from the direction the industry is heading into the regulatory hurdles, the geopolitical elements and globalization of this, like what are the right areas to go into and what is, what is, the U.S. stance imply for the industry? Are there opportunities and avenues to, to you know, from investment perspective? And afternoon, I'm going to meet with Inazarov, who is one of the coolest guys in the industry. He is the founder of Chainlink. As you know, Chainlink is an oracle, which basically ensures the, the data that's coming from the outside world is trusted, it's validated to be consumed by blockchain, because in many cases, blockchain is a closed system. Open networks, open technology, but in many places it's tied to. And so if you're consuming like market data or weather data, Chainlink is the de facto Oracle platform that connects the outside world mm. with the real world. Very pertinent to my conversation because mm. I'm trying to bridge the, the crypto with the traditional asset world. 
And I find my thesis is that you eventually converge and what do we need to build that? And essentially he's coming from the fact that you need market data to make decisions in these transactional world. So I have a chat with him, fireside chat with him at, at that point. So I'm looking forward to that because he is quite vocal. He's quite brilliant. Uh, and I have that stage. And then I have another panel on, 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 on 27th, both in terms of looking into institutional consumption of, 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 of digital assets, which is basically not just crypto, but also asset tokenization, which is tokenization of existing asset classes. So I think that this conversation is a little bit somber, both given the economic climate, given the regulatory headwinds, at least in the US perspective. There is a panel on regulation. There is a future of money, which is on 27th, which has always been the case in during consensus. Like, what does this look like uh, going forward? So looking forward, a lot of intellectual conversations, yes. not a lot of NFT, though I would like to actually jump into that at some point to understand where that industry is heading because it actually exploded. They had NFT NYC just a few weeks back in New York, but love to sort of understand regulation, investments, DeFi, and sort of shaping the industry from the builder's perspective. And 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 so those are the, my few of the highlights that I would like to explore in the next three or four days. So, so Michael Casey, who of course is a friend of ours and, yeah, and, and from my hometown of Perth, he, he's going to be considering money reimagined, which is one of his topics and his podcast along the way. And, and that's a visionary position. And where do you think this particular consensus is going to be around rolling up the sleeves and simply saying, these are our biggest barriers to breakthrough? Do you think there's going to be a lot of reflection on FDA and, 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 you know, three hours and the other Voyager periods are back there in 2022? Or do you think they're going to be, hopefully, I hope they are, going to be looking forward and turning around and saying, okay, okay big centralized fraud issues needs to be resolved? Yeah. Uh, or are they going to be wrapping their head mostly around regulatory issues that are getting born, not so much out of FTX, but are being getting born out of those early executive orders in March 2022 and, and looking forward to there? Or do you think we're going to see the emergence of some great new sectors like we've been no, seeing with Web 3.0? So, so I think that we are past FTX and three arrows. I don't think we don't mm. discuss. So in, in, I'll tell you mm. this, though. In preparation for these panels and these workshops that we're going to do, because there's always a prep call. You just don't show up unannounced and just yes. talk. You know, there's all, always a prep call. Yep. The conversation is all around the regulatory hurdles. And I'll, there are other nuances. Mm. It's not just about Gary Gensler's testimony. They've... There's something called registered investment advisor. This is private markets. And there's been sort of a suggestion from SEC that many of the registered investment advisors, these are people who register with SEC, and they are paid based on their advisory. They are to begin now to disclose the crypto investment, which is the hedge funds and, and the likes of, you know, again, high net worth individuals who want to invest through investment advisors. And that's a huge hurdle. Uh, it's hurdle not only for the crypto industry, but also the investment landscape for liquidity coming in from traditional finance into crypto finance. So there's a lot of conversation on what do we do about that? What is the what is the outcome and what is the, you know, because you had, you know, Jobs Act and Reg C and Reg D. There's a bunch of these fund structures that are that have evolved over time. And what is what is the implication of that? Second thing, which is was a part of the prep is liquidity bootstrapping. Like how do we get liquidity into the system? which is a big challenge given what we call as Operation Choke Point 2.0, as we have seen, banking relationships mm -hmm. and everything else. What does crypto industry do? Even MICA doesn't solve that, by the way, right? In the sense that how do we, how do we bring liquidity in the system? How do we re you know, regenerate interest in the industry? 
there is a lot of conversation, of course, that's going to understand with ChatGPT and, and generative AI and large language model. So there's a whole section that has been discussed in the implication of that. And I don't want to sound sort of seasonal in that concept because ChatGPT is there and we have to focus on AI. In fact, many of us who are in technology industry have been focusing on AI in blockchain contests for over five plus years, or is what that looks like for financial crimes and for analysis. So I think it's a bit of regulatory headwinds, liquidity, you know, mechanism, bring liquidity into the system so the industry can grow, be self-sustaining, liquidity bootstrapping of some of the projects who are beginning to take shape. And worst time of all, given the banking challenges and the operation choke point 2.0, having a hard time getting bank accounts, having a hard time being able to move money around and including things like payrolls and how do you keep sustainable sort of growth of the industry per se. There's a lot of conversation on that. And I would imagine that even including some of the writings that Michael has done, and I absolutely love his perspectives mm-hmm. uh, as a journalist, but also as a thought leader, uh, is he's opined on that, him and 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 his cohort and his co-host on Money Reimagined, you know, it's Sheila, Sheila Warren, and they both have yes. talked about this for quite some time. And I'm looking forward to having that conversation as well. So I think there's a lot of that whole thing to how do we, what is your perspective? How do we go around doing these things? A lot of lawyers, a lot of seasoned investors looking into this and looking into actual regulation to say, hey, what does regulation really say? And it does that in, in the same vein of innovation, capital preservation, the prudential regulation that matters versus the undue imposition that's come from suggestive trait from one of the regulators and so on and so forth, I think. You know, with, with visionaries, entrepreneurs, investors creating a new industry, which is, can grow so rapidly like this industry has done and continues to do, I can't help but think that, that so much has to happen to make it work. It's as if it's a train and people laying tracks in front of it as it's getting created and moving forward. And <laughs> consensus plays a real role in that, laying these tracks ahead of it. So. Are you going to have an opportunity to catch up with Michael while you're there? I said hi to him. It's his event. He's a chief content yeah. officer for that. And you say, you know, you meet a lot of people in this event because you're passing by. It's a, literally a convention center and you have two hotels that sort of host all the events. So you meet a lot of people in passing. Yeah. Last time I met Michael twice. One is Michael you know, on the Money Reimagined section, which is a day before consensus. I suspect I'll have the same type of meeting, but he is, you know, it's his event and he has yeah. an army of of journalists and content creators who are there. So I don't think I'm gonna sit down with him and have a chat. No. That has to be, that's usually Davos because Davos is a much more curated event and usually made at small dinners because you have nowhere to go except on one street. But I doubt if I'd be able to sit down with him, with Michael, but I will I will definitely say hi to him when I see him and I'll convey, convey the hi from his hometown. Thank you, that'd be great. So what do you think the aspirational outcome of consensus will be this year? of 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 the you know of the ai involvement in the space of the new tech involvement of the of mica the new regulations the sec what do you think consensus could involve out of such a large meeting of people yeah so i have not opined on this i'm going to just still observe i think this consensus you know how you have bar mitzvahs and you have this various cultural traditions where it's coming of age every culture has some sort of yes which is basically your entering the adulthood adolescence and you transition to adulthood. I think this is the moment for that. In fact, Mm -hmm. we were looking into this last consensus in terms of 
NFT growth and DeFi maturity. I think the industry itself is coming to grips with the challenges of counterparty risks, understanding liquidity challenges, understanding the true rules of economies and economic concepts at play. I think no longer, you know, you can simply have NFT projects and start generating revenue. You actually have to work towards defining the value. I will, I think that this will be something of that nature, given all the regulatory headwinds. That's why I think that Gary Gensler maybe would have done a lot more because people are seriously thinking about this. And whenever you have constraints, that's the birthplace of innovation. Yeah. That's my thinking here. And so technology builders, and I think this market would have weeded out a lot of, you know, early stage or nascent players who may not have a clue what they want to get into it. But now you have people who are remaining are true believers and true builders. And I think that'll be a, a good thing to look into much more pragmatic and and much more grounded perspective than just a gung-ho movement that was there a few years back. Yeah. So Nitin, along the way, you're generously going to give us a few 60 seconds I sort of froze that you've learned through the day. We're going to get them straight out onto the YouTube channel and also straight out through so that people can have a listen to them and hear what's happening as, as the time progresses in consensus. I will be there next year. And I think it's an extraordinary thing to go to. I was in consensus in 2021, the 2020 in New York city, an extraordinary event. And, and I look forward to hearing more about what's happening. We all do next week in the next beyond bitcoin in the meantime enjoy your huge number of visits and <laughs> and, and, and i and i hope that i hope that your city does them proud thanks Nitin. thanks Derek. good chatting we'll chat next week ciao bye for now